from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. I had to pick up my 14-year-old from something last night. Mm. And I happened to have, I was, I'm, I've been trying to catch up on music that I might have missed in 2022 because I didn't have the first world problem of Apple CarPlay for six months. It's a first world problem, Joe. Truly is. I was stuck with <gasps> my radio. <laughs> Shout out to radio. Pays the bills. But yeah, no, it's, usually I'll do the majority of my music listening, whether I'm on a run or I'm in the car. And as if you've seen me as of late, haven't been doing a lot of running lately. But um, no, so I was shuffling through stuff and Megan the Stallion came on and my 14-year-old was like, this is that what we talked about earlier in the week where apparently you and I have hit an age where we're not supposed to be listening to Megan the Stallion. And my 14 was like, what are you doing? I go, what? I love Megan the Stallion. What's the issue? He's like, you shouldn't be listening to this. So much that you don't even call her by the right name. Well, I've been told it's, I used to call, I used to go and on the air and say Megan the Stallion. And I had a couple people tell me, oh no, stop doing that. It's just the? It's just the. Even though. Now you're going to tell me it's the dollhouse. No, never. Now you're going to tell me it's the Ohio State. The only reason, well, the dollhouse doesn't exist anymore. I think it's now Rick's Cabaret. But regardless. I think. (laughs) I drive past it every morning. You're quick on that one. Yeah, no, actually, I do know it's called Rick's Cabaret because I literally (laughs) drive. No, I drive drive past it twice every morning on my way Mm -hmm. to and from morning carpool. Regardless. (laughs) The reason why I know it's the dollhouse is because we used to do advertising for it back in the day. That was that was ages ago. We would never do that now. Regardless, let's see if the six eight Dutch goalie can stop Messi on this penalty. As I explained to my fourteen year old man, age doesn't matter. All right, it's all state of mind. If you want to, uh, if you want to listen to that stuff, you can listen to it whenever you want. He cannot. That would be a goal. That would be a goal. Two oh, nothing. now you want to convert your penalties? I was oh, about to okay. say you hated him about two weeks ago for uh, not making a PK uh, in the first half of a game. That is gambling, right there. Well, you came in steam. Oh wait, that was within a game that you had an issue with. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. I see. Well, Argentina. Whoa. Argentina. Well, I was aggressive. Whoa, <laughs> Argentina up two nothing on the on the on the Netherlands in the on to the final minute. four. Let's answer. We should just call it the Final Four. Let's call everything the Final Four. Sure, why not? Speaking of which, when the World Cup's here, should they do like a play-in round in Dayton for the World Cup? (laughs) They absolutely. They need to do four. They need to have four games played in Dayton. If they had a sense of humor. Sadly, they don't. It's FIFA. All right, this one comes from Andy. Hey, Joe, why don't I have a Canes Ice Caps warm-up already? Because, my gosh, North Carolina Night sounds awesome. Yeah, Carolina Hurricanes announced North Carolina Night at PNC Arena on January 10th. It's a Tuesday night game. And part of North Carolina Night will feature food and beer items and everything else. But the kicker is going to be the Hurricanes wearing Ice Caps warm-ups. Mm-hmm. I am here for that. And apparently they're going to be selling some ice caps gear at the eye as well. There's a You've been begging for this ever since you did the brief history of Triangle Sports. Your episode on the ice caps. Yeah, I released that back in July. Uh, if you're not familiar with a brief history of Triangle Sports, uh, that was over the spring and the summer highlighting some of the things that used to exist that deserves some of your attention these days 
So I do love that the Canes are tapping into that Ice Caps history. The Ice Caps ceased to exist as a as a team here in the, in, in North Carolina when the Hurricanes came to town in 1997. So it's appropriate that they're paying homage. I, I only want an Ice Caps jersey if they sell the Wild Goose jersey. <laughs> wild Wild Goose jersey, yes. No, if they truly want to honor the Ice Caps, they'll just spend the entire time fighting the other team. As you would in an ECHL game I was back say, in the day. Uh, if they could sell the beer at that same price that oh, they sold at that yeah, man. Hell yeah. And the other thing I'll First need. First Dundon when you need them. The other thing I'm going to need is I'm going to need fog on the ice <laughs> as well to truly capture the vibe of Dorton Arena. Just get dressed in the parking lot. Oh, yeah. Easily. <laughs> easily. Those locker rooms. So, uh, again, I did, a, I did a podcast episode about the ice caps back in the summertime. And what I'm referencing, if you're not, if you're like, what, what the hell are you, what are you, what are you talking about, Obvious? We have WREL footage because we used to cover the games all the time. And because of Dorton Arena's lack of AC, they had like zero climate control in that building. And all the glass, they'd leave the windows open. So I believe this would happen in October or when you get that typical, you know, late December. You know how it's been warm the last couple days? And when the sun was setting... And the temperature just got out of whack, there would be fog on the ice. And the ice, in order to get the fog lifted, the hockey players would skate around the ice as fast as they could to, to dissipate the fog, play as much as they could until the fog settled back in. It's quite the scene, and we got footage of that floating around on the internet. You should go check that out. I'm going to buy a lot of gear. It's going to be gross. More great news for Cary commuters. With the new GoCarry app, you can track your bus live on the interactive map feature. Stay informed with the latest news and service updates right at your fingertips. Save your favorite locations and routes for quick and easy access, making your daily commute a breeze. Plus, with the GoCarry app, you can easily connect to GoCarry.org for even more resources and information. Best of all, the GoCarry app is absolutely free to download on the Apple and Google Play stores. GoCarry, where getting there is just a tap away next up whoa now how do whalers fans feel about it they'll be fine yeah they'll be all right all right this next one comes from carrie hey joe is baker going to the hall of fame wearing a browns panthers rams or progressive jersey (laughs) progressive jersey he'll wear a progressive jersey i don't know i hope he never plays again and he goes in as a ram 98 yard game winning drive why can't baker mayfield just wear all three he'll just stitch them all together you know Oh, who, and who's to say that Baker Mayfield's career is over? It could, with the Rams, he could be on some other team this offseason. I have no idea. Look, man, good for Baker Mayfield. He's had a rough season for a variety of reasons. I don't think he's 100% healthy. Uh, he ended up going to the tire fire that is the Carolina Panthers under Matt Rule, which, as we've noticed, they've gotten better without Matt Rule as head coach. Uh, they're not completely out of playoff contention. But that I'm gonna take last night as a one-off. Tip your cap, man, to Baker Mayfield for getting released, arriving in LA on Wednesday, and then playing in a game last night against the Raiders and having a 98-yard game-winning drive. Commend him. But let's not try to relitigate what we saw this past season with the Panthers, where he was bad. Next up. How you doing? This one comes from Nick. Actually, this one, sorry, comes from Terry. Hey, Joe, talk about the new OC at NC State. Differences between him and Beck, et cetera. Thanks. Uh, Robert and I was the background with BYU, Joe. That's how it came up with Bronco Mendenhall. Mm-hmm. Then was at Virginia, obviously a long stretch at Virginia. 
And this year only at Syracuse did a great job with Garrett Schrader, mobile quarterback. Brendan Armstrong had the outstanding year that he had the previous year under an eye. So you you got you got a guy who knows the system, knows how he wants to run a certain offense. How is it different than Tim Beck? Might not matter. We don't know because yeah, true. Dave Doran's still the coach, and you know there's going to be some of that personality. I mentioned the zone stretch that the the Rams run. Dave loves that play. Mm-hmm. Loves to run it on first down. So we'll see how different. But you have to love what Anae and I did at not only Virginia with Brendan Armstrong, but this year at Syracuse with Gary Trader. Yeah, that's that's going to fit with what MJ Morris can do. I'm in complete agreement on that. But the one thing we do have, and you referenced it, it's one thing that we do have to reconcile. Dave Doran has established he likes to win a particular way. So will they let him cook? Well, you know, Dave's a young guy. He can evolve, right? We can all evolve. We can all change. Sure. Maybe uh, maybe he's bringing him in and understanding that this is what I got to do with MJ Morris to maximize his potential and maximize what we're going to have next season. Because that's the other thing about this. Because here's the thing about NC State, too, going forward. Yeah. I don't think we fully unpacked the last three seasons really being one team, right? One team that built to the expectations right. for last season and why they were off the charts the way that they were. Maybe Dave's looking at this reset as a way to kind of change some things that he wants to do going forward, especially if he's going to be sticking around. One thing NC State fans will absolutely love. Robert Ane played football at BYU as well. 1981-84. Offensive coordinator, Norm Chow. No, nice. Norm Chow, of course, for one season. One year. One glorious season. The play caller that everybody universally loved. Philip Rivers' freshman year, 2000, with Chuck Amato. So there are some roots there, if you will, that should excite NC State fans. Next up. I got a proposition for you. All right, this one comes from Nick. Hey, Joe, what if UNC loses to Georgia Tech this weekend? I mean, it's not in Atlanta, so that's that's good. Yeah, Hubert Davis. Because it would be in play if it was in Atlanta. Hubert Davis, head coach at North Carolina, spoke with the media this afternoon, and he started talking about how it's been good to be home. Right, they've been they've been on the road a lot. Right, they were in that Phil Knight Invitational, then they followed that up with a trip to Indiana for the ACC Big Ten Challenge, followed by a trip to Virginia Tech. So they've had the week. They haven't home. been home since North Carolina last won a national championship. Crazy, the horror! It's been a really rough week, November twentieth, for the Tar Heels. It's also right? when the field hockey team won their national. Championship. The other thing to keep in mind too for the Tar Heels this weekend is that Armando Baycott apparently had an AC sprain in his shoulder. He had ankle issues coming out of the Phil Knight Invitational. He's not 100%, and right. I guess he he took to the court today, and I don't expect him to start against Georgia Tech. And there's another factor to consider with, with Georgia Tech and why I'm not really going to read anything into Saturday's result for the Tar Heels. The chaotic energy of Josh Pastner cannot be denied. I don't. He'll throw a little junk zone at you now. He 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 he's the manic pixie dream coach of the ACC, man. You don't know what you're going to get with that guy. So I usually throw results to Georgia Tech out the window because you don't know what you're going to get with that guy. Absolutely no clue. I just want to go to the game just for the post game because I want to see. Remember last year? Yeah. Georgia Tech lost to Carolina like twice in like a 10-day span. And he was like, I'm telling you, they're good enough to be in the Final Four and I literally laughed because I'm like, what is he looking at that other people don't see? But he knew Brady Manick was coming. He knew the Tar Heels were coming. So I really want to go to this game just to hear see what he has Josh Pastner. And you know what? 
Josh Pastor will offer an honest assessment, unlike the people in that ESPN article who are quoted anonymously about, oh, what's wrong with UNC? Spare me. Next up. Yeah! All right, this one comes from Joey. Hey, Joe, what do you think of Big Boomer's coaches with the most <laughs> Enley Swagger and Dave Dorn's placement? Yeah. <laughs> Our friend, Big Game Boomer, uh, he is, if you're not familiar with him, he is the list king in college football. And, like, recently he's been tweeting through it, like, the top 50 defensive tackles of the 2022 season. That kind of stuff. He had the best transfer portal destinations in every state. By the way, NC State was his pick for the state of North Carolina. So uh, this was, this was you know, people pointed this out to us, and I looked at it. I'm like, all right, here's his top 25 head coaches with the most swag. The most. Joe. Deion Sanders, Colorado. Easy enough. Lane Kiffin. Easy enough. Shane Beamer at South Carolina. Mm, okay. I'd say yeah. Okay. Marcus Freeman, Notre Dame. And Nick Saban, Alabama, round, round out the top five. As I, you know, Mel Tucker, Mike Leach, Brett Bielema, Jim Harbaugh. Brett Bielema. Yeah, Brett Bielema. No, thank you. Joey McGuire at Texas Tech. And then here, there he is at number 12 ahead of James Franklin, Dave Doran. Look, when I think swagger, I don't think Dave Doran. And I don't mean that as a knock. Dave Doran is workmanlike. Dave Doran is even keeled. Dave Doran has his teams prepared as best they can. But when I think of swagger, I don't think of Dave Doran. By the way, Brian Kelly was the number one coach with the least, least? swagger. Ah, My family. family. Dabo number three, least I, well, swagger. Well, actually, I would just like to send this list to Andy, air quotes, Sinclair. Yeah. The person who accused us of being hyper-masculine. And I just want to get his take. Because, of course, when I think swagger, I think Dave Doran. When I think hyper-masculine, I think Joe Obvious. You know what? On that note, <laughs> let's, let's get an update. Did you know that your unused medications could end up in the wrong hands? It's important to keep your medication secure in a locked location, such as a locking box or locking cabinet. When it's time to dispose of them, safety and properly dispose of old, expired, or unused meds by using an at-home disposal product or a medication disposal box in your community. Don't miss out on medication take-back events happening near you. Don't let anyone take what's yours. Lock your meds. Be aware. Don't share. Learn more at lockyourmeds.org nc. Are you ready for the big game? At The Designery, we can help you arrange your kitchen in the perfect way to feed everyone coming over for the big game. I'm Dana Merrill, the owner of The Designery in North Raleigh. And I am True Merrill. The Designery grand opening, we're scheduled to open May 16th and do our grand opening party then. We're going to be catering some food. We're doing some giveaways. We have a VR headset, an Echo Show, some kitchen gadgets, and some fancy knives. 12 to 2 p.m. Please stop by our showroom, 3030 Wake Forest Road. That's The Designery at The designery.com Argentina is up on the Netherlands 2-1 in the 86th minute the U.S. got bounced by the Netherlands this past Saturday and as the week has gone on and you know people are keeping up with the actual games there's been the autopsy on the U.S. men's national team's run it's a success in my opinion that they even made the knockout stage after having missed the World Cup the last go-round and having to hit the reset button I've always kind of viewed this year as an opportunity for the U.S. to get ready for the next World Cup, which will be here in North America. It will be split between Canada, the U.S., and Mexico. 
that everybody's got an opinion as to why the development of the U.S. men's national team isn't on par with the rest of the world. And NPR had a story yesterday, and it highlighted club soccer putting the sport out of reach for many kids. I have, when we have discussed this, Gilio, my usual attitude when we talk about U.S. soccer is that I hate what we do in mainstream sports where we go, man, can you imagine if LeBron James played soccer? Odell Beckham Jr., the soccer player. We would crush, right? And I think to myself, do people understand we're not a small country? (laughs) We have a lot of people in this country. We have a lot of people that are interested in playing sports. But the problem is youth sports development has gone sideways and it's gotten incredibly expensive and a lot of people who should be given an opportunity don't get an opportunity because they've been priced out and with club soccer or it's not just soccer i'm not i'm not just going to pick on soccer for this because i really do think that this is an example for a lot of other youth programs in this country and something that i'm experiencing as a father of a hockey player who's in the junior canes organization right now so the the story basically highlights how there's a pay to play and parents thinking well, if I keep dumping money into my kids' experience and we keep chasing these things, they're gonna get better. No, what you end up scholarship, doing, yeah. What you end up doing is you actually make somebody really rich in the process, and your kid just kind of gets fine. And there's also a consistent a consistency at the youth soccer level and other sports levels where, because you've been priced out and the pressure on these club sports to win gets higher and higher because of the expense associated with it. A lot of kids are determined by eight or nine years old, well, you're not good enough to play as if late bloomers don't exist in the world of sports. So when we've determined that somebody who's literally just started out their life at you don't have what it takes to be a soccer player when you're 10 freaking years old, well, what are you doing to the talent pool in the grand scheme of things? It's a it's a consistent problem, but I don't really think that we as parents or will ever take culpability in the in the reasons why we might not be as good on the international stage. We also have this conversation, I feel like, every four years. Just about, yeah. About soccer, and they did hit the reset button, and you'll, you'll note most of the players aren't homegrown even anymore. <laughs> A lot of them aren't even born here on mm-hmm. our national team, right? Uh, so the situation is you're chasing something. Whereas in other countries, it's established. Mm. Now, you might ask, well, why would why would Spain or pick another country that's good in ba- Italy? Why would they be good in basketball? How did they get good in basketball? Yeah. Well, they have applied some of their sensibilities that they've used in soccer. Um, Got to remember, we're the only we're the only country in the world that has something called college sports. Yeah. You you understand? Yeah, and one and, and this is from this <laughs> so is from if you're the, good and you're identified, you are put in a system and you stay in that system. This is from the NPR story: a small fraction of high school soccer players receive scholarships to play in college, a mere one point one percent at the Division One level, an even smaller fraction go on to play professionally. And they say basically, paying to play doesn't guarantee a child will receive the best coaching either. That's another part about this that I find highly interesting. And look, I can speak from this now. With my own experience, and I've had, let's just call it an eye-opening experience with travel youth sports, right? You know, Caleb, my older son, we never did anything beyond basic rec NCFC. He tried Y-ball, wasn't for him. 
and we moved on. Jacob, my younger son, tried all the different things, a little bit more sports inclined than my older son, but he always wanted to play hockey, so did the Polar Ice House League. He went to the Canes uh, Learn to Play program, which I can I cannot recommend enough. And he did the Polar Ice House League, and he kept saying, I want to join the Junior Canes. Cool, cool, cool. We'll see what happens when you get there. So he made a team. Awesome. And what you come to find out is making the Junior Canes isn't enough for some people. All right? They don't view the Junior Canes for what it is, which is a developmental organization. It is not – I mean, obviously you want to win, but the the – purpose and the goal of the junior canes is to help your development and learn hockey work hard know what you need to know and then you keep moving up if you put in that work and you've got the skill and everything else not everybody gets to be on the triple a team but again when you get into it and you start talking to other parents you come to find out there are some who oh little johnny absolutely should be on the triple a and I don't believe what these coaches are saying, so where do they go? They don't stay within the organization at a lower level. They end up going to another hockey organization that will give them an opportunity to play. That is, I know you coached in lacrosse. Yep. And I'm guessing there was very similar situations where somebody's parent was like, absolutely not, my kid is good enough to play at this level, and I'm going to go find the place that will let him play at this level. And the problem that comes with this, I've, I've been on both sides. I have been the coach on those youth teams, those club teams, and I've been the college coach trying to recruit. So you sometimes get these sub-club teams that branch out because, like, oh, my, my son should be on the – It's or the pay-to-play. Yes, the pay-to-play. But those new established teams can't get into these big tournaments where often coaches are recruiting at. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, you actually are hurting the kids in the long run because you said the politicking and all the angry parents and things along those lines, and the kids are the ones that suffer in the long run. Yeah, kids end up suffering the most. And, again, it, sports shouldn't be this expensive. It shouldn't, okay? Because what ends up – you know, you, people keep talking about participation rates going down, and people want to blame video games for this kind of stuff. I'm here to tell you, video games are not a new phenomenon. I'm 43 years old. I've been playing video games since 1985, 86, when the Nintendo first came out, all right? Video games are not the reason why people don't want to play sports anymore. Oftentimes, kids don't want to play sports anymore for two reasons. One of them is related to us as parents who don't make it fun, and then the coaches who also don't make it fun in the grand scheme of things. Every single time we have this conversation, Jillia, like you say, we ha- we seem to have this about every four years with the World Cup specifically when it comes to soccer or any time you see some sort of sports, youth sports incident. We never spend time reflecting as to why the kids don't want to do this anymore and you blame the kids, not the environment in which you have set up for the kids to not enjoy it. You're the ones in charge, not the kids. And if the kids don't want to do it anymore, Maybe you need to take a step back and wonder why. And oftentimes what you come to find out is adults ruin everything, not the kids.